welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 261. Thanks for listening. Welcome back everybody. By the time you're hearing this, the world has breathed a collective sigh of relief, if not, you know, excitement, at least relief, because America has a new president and vice president. Donald Trump has left the White House, presumably. Or he's hiding in a closet in the basement. Whatever. But at any rate, there's a new guy in the Oval Office. And a new vice president, uh, wherever the vice president sits. Does this automatically mean all our problems go away? No, of course not. Things are only getting started as far as getting rid of our problems. Never really going to get rid of everything. COVID's still a thing. Political unrest is still a thing. I still don't have a nice bottle of bourbon. You know, there's all sorts of problems in the world. But... We have a new president in the White House, and he's going to fix everything. Or not. But I do know that we all need to move on. Not forget, but move on and get down to the work of actually doing things that benefit society instead of benefiting ourselves, which is what the man-child-in-chief was really focused on. All right, well, that's, thus ends the uh, political commentary for this week. In other news... This is my first recording since Phil Spector died. That's a thing that happened. I gotta be kind of honest. I thought he might be dead already. I knew he was in prison, but I kind of thought he might be dead. To the extent that I expended any thought about Phil Spector lately, which I had not until I saw the article saying, yeah, he's dead. So that's a thing that also happened. I have almost spilled my coffee cup twice just since I started this recording. So today's special feature will be how close does Bill come to spilling his coffee all over his computer during a recording? So that's a little uh, fun game you guys can play as you're listening. You'll know when it happens because there will be a, a commentary that necessitates an explicit rating on this episode if I can actually get the episode out after destroying my equipment with a cup of coffee. Let's see. In other news, I have no other news to report. There's absolutely nothing going on in the world right now. It snowed overnight. Uh, it's a lovely picturesque scene outside my window, except that I know I'm going to have to go shovel it later. Oh, well. In the meantime, though, I can play an Atari game. That's a good thing. So let's do that. This week's game is Off the Wall, produced by Atari, 1989. Lately, we've been on a kit to playing you know, late-era 2600 games. We did the last commercially produced Atari game from 1992, which was called Not Tetris? Um, <laughs> I have totally blanked on what that game was called. Hold on. Acid Drop, that was it. And then from 1990, last week, we played Moto Rodeo. And now this week, from 1989, Off the Wall. I didn't plan to do this sort of uh, sequential, you know, going backwards in time from the end of Atari 2600, effectively, at least the, the traditionally published games. Going backwards, it's just kind of worked out that way. We're doing this one, Moto... No, we're not. We're not doing Moto Rodeo. We're doing, um... Man, apparently I need more coffee. Off the Wall game was uh, released by Atari, developed by... The game was released by Atari, developed by Axlon, which was a development studio owned by Atari founder Nolan Bushnell. If you want the short version of what this game is, it's basically Breakout with a Dragon. Here's what the manual tells us. Blazing brickbats and blackbirds. Far away in the mysterious east on the other side of the world, there lived an adventurous lad named Kung Fu Lu. I don't know if that's a mildly racist name or not. We're going to go ahead and go with it, but uh, I don't know. 
Lou's grand longing was to crush the ancient evil wall that plagued his friendly neighbors. Guarding the wall was a mystical dragon and a cunning blackbird. The dragon would cast balls at brave Lou. Okay. If Lou successfully deflected them with his staff, he gained good fortune and special powers. If he missed a ball, it cost him one of his five lives he was granted as a child. The frightful blackbirds tried to prevent the Kung Fu Lu from destroying the wall, but Lu remained undaunted and continued on until he smashed the last remaining brick. So we're using the joystick for this one. You can, once you turn the game on, you can select your skill level, peasant, student, or master, and number of players, one or two. The two-player games are not simultaneous play, you take turns. Change the difficulty switch to increase or decrease Kung Fu Lu's speed. Moves faster when the switch is set on A than when the switch is set on B. In case I forget to mention it later, for my play today, I had difficulty set at A, but I was playing at the peasant level. I didn't have hours and hours to devote to this today, but I never got past the peasant level, because this game is really hard, or I'm really bad, or both. But anyway, press the fire button to begin the game, press reset to start a new game. The objective in Off the Wall is to score the highest number of points. Duh. Play against another player, try to beat your best score. Score points by using the ball to knock bricks out of the wall, hitting the dragon beyond the bricks, or catching the mystery token. For bonus points, when the player clears the four brick waves, he automatically advances to the next skill level. Using the controller, player must position Lou in the path of the falling ball. The balls, by the way, seem to emanate from the dragon. I don't get a huge dragon vibe off of the dragon. He looks more like this sort of worm thing kind of slithering across the top of the screen, or a centipede maybe. Although my wife, uh, Jill, who has vowed never to be on the podcast, walked through the room when I was practice playing earlier, and she's like, no, yeah, it's a Chinese dragon. So maybe it is a dragon. I don't know. It's more Chinese than Lord of the Rings, I guess. Anyway, where was I? So yeah, so these balls are emanating from the dragon. I don't know if they're supposed to be spitballs or turds or God knows what. They don't look like fireballs. Maybe that's what's implied. But for all the color, and there is a lot of color, it's a very pretty game. For all the effort that went into the colors and the, the shapes, Lou looks really good. It's rendered really well. The dragon, you know, despite what I said, looks really good. But these balls just look like little flashy circles. So I don't know what they're supposed to be. But doesn't matter. You need to hit them with your staff. Deflect the ball back to the brick wall to break the bricks. If Lou misses a ball, you lose a life. In each game, the player starts with five lives. The number of lives remaining displays in the upper left-hand corner of the screen with one square for each remaining life. If you break out all the bricks or hit the dragon six times, the wave finishes and you receive another life. Full disclosure, I haven't done that before. Each time you miss the dragon, the background behind the bricks becomes lighter. In a two-player game, each player takes a turn. The first player begins breaking out bricks until he misses a ball and loses a life. The second player continues with the same brick field. That's interesting. Knocking the bricks until he misses, the game continues, moving the higher skill lo- into higher skill levels until each player runs out of lives. It's interesting that the two-player game has player two picking up wherever player one left off. It would be interesting, also, if you could play simultaneously. After the first wave on the peasant level, a blackbird appears. The bird tries to fly between the bricks and the ball. If the the ball hits the bird, the bird deflects the ball back to Lou. Jerk. After you hit the ball the first time, different tokens begin dropping at random. If Lou catches a token, he receives special powers. Each token has its own special power. Lou keeps these special powers until he misses a ball or the token timer, a bar graph in the upper right corner, runs out. Here are your tokens. Zigzag, which is just a Z, makes the ball travel in a zigzag pattern after being hit by Lou... On the way down, the ball travels in a normal straight path. 
The mystery token, a question mark, can have any of four effects. Three help Lou, while one is a disadvantage. The token may grant Lou an additional life, add 50, 75, or 100 bonus points, depending on the current skill level, or stop the blackbird. Or the token may hinder Lou by speeding up the ball, making the ball harder to hit. The magnetic paddle, which is an M, with this token, Lou's staff becomes a magnet, which draws the ball. Okay, so now we're getting a clue. These balls are metallic, so apparently not fireballs. I don't know what the heck these things are. For example, if the ball is to Lou's left, the ball moves toward him. After hitting the ball, moving Lou to, uh, to the left moves the ball in the same direction. Because this powerful token makes the player almost invincible, the token timer runs at twice the normal speed. Then there's the nuke ball, which is a bomb, which causes the ball to break out a much larger chunk of bricks when the ball hits the wall. The mega paddle, which is a flame, with this token, Lou carries a much larger staff. hey -o. The larger staff makes it small, easier to hit the ball. There are three different skill levels which you can select at the beginning of a game. Peasant, Student, and Master. Each of these levels has four different waves of playing action. Each skill level and each wave is a little harder than the one before. If a player starts on Peasant level and finishes all four waves, the game automatically advances to the next skill level. Tips. If you hit the ball at an angle into the bricks, it bounces off the inside bricks and knocks out far more bricks than a direct hit. Don't go too fast or you could overshoot the ball. Use your tokens strategically. I call a foul on that because th this game moves too fast for you to pick and choose. Okay, now I'm going to grab this token. Uh, now I'm not going to grab that one because by the time you've made that decision, the ball's already missed you and you've lost a life. Try to use the blackbird to your advantage. I don't really know what that means. The M token is great for killing the dragon. There were many times when I got focused on trying to catch the token that was falling and missed the ball and lost a life, therefore. So... Don't get distracted by shiny objects, which is really just good advice for life. And that is how you play Off the Wall from Atari slash Exelon. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though... I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. So the GameHorde.com observes that Lou obviously is a stand-in for Breakout's paddle, given that Off the Wall is really just a clone of Bre uh, Super Breakout or Breakout. This reviewer doesn't think that Lou is the best substitute for the paddle. When the square pixel representing the ball comes toward him, he's not totally reliable in his task of hitting it away from the bottom of the screen. Lou will lift his staff if it comes in from above, and there seems to be a tad bit of leeway in that it can bounce off of it while it, it is at his side but mostly it just means you don't see the true length of your paddle, save when it is in action, making it a bit difficult to gauge if you're standing in the correct spot. Too many times you'll end up seeing the ball slide down the side of Lou because you weren't able to tell the staff was slightly too small to bounce it back. The issue with the staff colors everything else and off the wall poorly, and that's a shame. The power-ups make the basic brick hitting 
a touch more interesting and varied, but most of the work they do is to make Off the Wall more interesting is undone by two factors, the Blackbird and the random speed increases. In summary, while Off the Wall would have been an average breakout clone with a few changes that do work, the detrimental ones drag it down to be an inferior alternative that will more often frustrate a player than entertain. So reviewer gives the game a, quote, terrible rating. Atari Protos observes that although they share the same name, the 2600 version of Off the Wall has absolutely nothing to do with the Atari arcade game of the same name. In fact, it predates it about two years. This Off the Wall is an interesting Arkanoid-style game in which you play the role of a lowly peasant who dreams of breaking down the evil wall that divides his land and defeating the dreaded dragon. Although the Off the Wall may be an Arkanoid clone, it adds just enough new twists to make it fresh and interesting. The game was part of Atari's last wave of new releases for the 2600 before they decided to retire the system for good, although it may not have been able to compete on a technical level with the systems of the day. Games like Off the Wall proved that there was still a lot of fun to be had with the old 2600. OneMoreCastle.com has a column called Atari Poop, in which they did a discussion of Off the Wall, but it wasn't strictly a game review. They actually break down the premise of the game, which is kind of sort of what I do here. They didn't make up a whole new story. They just kind of go do a deep analysis of what the premise of the game is. It's been interesting. The reviews that I read, they can't seem to decide if it's a Chinese game or a Japanese game. I've seen references to both. Atari Poop comes down on the side of this is a Chinese theme. Because of the, I'm reading here, because of the relatively small size of Kung Fu Lu's paddle, totally not a euphemism there, I promise, this is actually a fairly difficult game. But what is Off the Wall really about? It would make sense to think that this video game contains an interesting storyline behind it, right? Because it's got peasants and China and the Great Dragon and fireballs and whatnot. Yet when the elements are individually examined, a dark, horrifying mythology is revealed instead. Since the gameplay is set in China, we can only assume the wall is indeed the Great Wall of China, in which case it may seem strange that lose gold this entire time to dismantle the wall. Why? Why systematically demolish one of humankind's greatest engineering achievements? The answer is revealed in examining the antagonist, the Great Dragon. He wiggles back and forth, looking menacing, but never truly posing a threat. What kind of lame dragon is this? He never even spews fire or sprouts wings. The hours at work have rendered a lame, impotent, pathetic little writhing 1 HP loser of an enemy. This seems silly. Why is... What is the meaning of this? The story seems absurd. Unless we are witnessing a game traveling backward in time. Kung Fu Lu is not destroying the Great Wall of China. He is merely traveling back to the long period of its construction and witnessing its beginning. He goes on to explain what that means. I will leave that to you guys to read. Um, I will add that he has a, a postscript here. If someone out there were to alter off the wall to create a hack where the protagonist is Ronald Reagan and he's tearing down the Berlin Wall, kids go ask your parents, I would totally play it. You know what? I would too, actually. All right. OneMoreCastle.com, the Atari Poop column about off the wall. I don't see a date on here when this was posted, but go look for that. Uh, as always, I will promise to put it in the show notes, but probably won't. Okay, well, after the break, our field report of Off the Wall is off the chain, off the hook, off the charts, and hey, don't turn this off. Spider, spider on the wall, have you no sense at all? Don't you know that wall has been plastered? Get off that wall, you dirty spider. Hey, everybody, we're playing Off the Wall, 1989 from Axelon, I think? I don't know. I'll do my research later. This game is really hard, or I'm really bad. 
For both. You're really bad. Hey, quiet, camera guy. Mmm. I am playing at the See, lowest... See, the computer's better than you. <laughs> well, I would think the computer would be better than me regardless. You can't beat computers, Henry. We watched Tron last night. You should know that. No, the, the player that got sucked in to the... To the... Um... To the computer... To the, to the computer... Um, beat the program. Oh, that's true. Jeff Bridges did. And I hope we don't get copyrighted for that. <laughs> It'll be okay, Henry. You don't know that. So, I'm playing not Tron. I'm playing off the wall at the lowest setting, the peasant setting, because like I said, this game is really hard. No, it's not. You really bad. And I didn't have hours and hours to devote to it today, so. It's basically computer ping pong. Well, it's basically breakout with a dragon and some other little special things. So, let's do this thing. Here we go. I, there's Kung Fu Lu, which might be a mildly racist name. I'm not sure. We'll let that go for now. Special token, which I missed. Sometimes I get distracted by the special token and forget to chase the ball. You miss the ball once, you lose a life, which seems a little harsh, but life is harsh. See? I'm really, really bad at this. See, these are not real physics. You got them, Henry. They're not real physics. You need to take this off the shelf. Man. They um, don't use real physics. The game's very colorful. The dragon, I don't get a huge dragon vibe off of this dragon, but my wife did point out that it's kind of like a Chinese dragon, which I guess makes sense. I guess it's more of a Chinese dragon than a Lord of the Rings dragon. Man. I have gotten better scores than that. I promise. Alright, we'll play a little bit more. But yeah, big time breakout vibes. Uh, the colored layers, breaking the uh, bricks out of the wall. There we go. Alright, getting some rallies, rallies, whatever. You go, ball! All that, I only got a couple hundred extra points. Yeah. Where are my tokens at? seem to emanate from the dragon, so I, I don't quite know what's going on there. I could, I would get if they were like fireballs. I could see that, but they don't really look like fireballs. This would be my last guy. Yeah, Thunderball. I guess that's what that's called. I don't know. Go points! Wow, you suck. Wow, I suck. Yes, you do. On that note, back to you in the studio.
everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables, is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock full of bite-sized stories in every genre from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories and everything in between. Zombies in Love, Twisted Car Races, and the aforementioned devilish breakfast food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Beats a decoder ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, and words. Lots of those, too. Pick up Hell's Cereal, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, wherever you'd like to get your books. Not cereal. Here's the thing about Off the Wall. I get why... You know, even just the couple reviews I read were diametrically opposed. The one reviewer said it was terrible. The other one said it was fun. I kind of err on the side of fun, but really damn frustrating. You know, as always, my disclaimer, I only spent a little bit of time with it this morning. Didn't devote hours and hours to it. But the little bit that I played it, I did terribly, as you'll see, if in the as you just saw in the field report, just heard in the field report. And if you're in the Patreon, if you go watch the video, you can tell that, yeah, I suck at this game. Probably a lot of you are way better at this. I'd never heard of this game, but by 89, uh, I had moved on to Nintendo. I wasn't, you know, sorry Atari, but I wasn't really playing Atari anymore. I might have gotten it out once in a while, but I, I'd never, I was playing the NES by that point, and I've never heard of this game. But it's super frustrating, and in a way that makes it fun for me. I kind of want to go play some more, even though I know I'm going to do terribly at it. Is it frustrating in the sense that it's just really hard or is it frustrating in the sense that it's unfair? I think it's just really hard. I don't think it's unfair necessarily. I mean, I, I don't know all about the mechanics of how games are programmed, and maybe they could have done, should have done things differently to make it a little more fair, but I don't really know what that means. Would it be better if there were no blackbirds in the game? I don't know if that hurts anything, if it would make the game more fun or not. I don't know. I just find it an interesting game, and that's what keeps me playing, and that's, as I've said many times... My metric is, do I want to play this game some more? And I kind of want to play this game some more. So, I liked it. As always, if you guys have thoughts about Off the Wall, or Dragons, or China, or Japan, or anything, really, contact me in any of the ways that you can do that, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. It's story time on Atari Bye. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Off the Wall. Imagine that. He tiptoed gently across the bar. 
I watched him go. This was long ago. The Kingsman was one of those bars where you could throw peanut shells on the floor. And as the stranger tiptoed by, the dis discarded shards cracked like eggshells beneath his feet. He really seemed to enjoy that, despite a pretty substantial limp. With the smallest groan, with the smallest groan, the stranger sat at the bar and smoothed his waistcoat. Not a plain old vest, an honest-to-God waistcoat. It was purple with fancy gold stitching and a watch fob and rode atop checkered pants. It should look ridiculous, but it didn't. The guy wore it well. So well that I took stock of the free muffler shop t-shirt that I was wearing and that I got for, well, I don't know why I got it. Pretty sure there was no muffler involved. Anyway, it was freshly laundered three days ago. I went up to the bar for a light beer refill. Yeah, light beer sucks, but it's good for a consistent buzz over a long night. I stood a couple stools away from Mr. Waistcoat and gestured to my empty glass. Bartender Gloria did a finger gun at me and took my glass. It was fortunate I was running a tab in my idiot brother's name. Gloria handed me my refill and asked Mr. Waistcoat what he wanted. Whiskey sour, Mr. Waistcoat said, but none of those foul egg whites, young lady. Another finger gun from Gloria and she went to work. I detected a vague, nonspecific accent from Mr. Waistcoat, or I was too buzzed to recognize it. That was plausible. It would also explain what I did next. To hump day, I said to the stranger, raising my glass. The stranger's pointy head, not like bullet pointy, just like his hat probably wouldn't fall off pointy, snapped around. Hump you, he grunted, like an actual grunt. What? I said, raising my glass again. Hump day, Wednesday, week's half over, my man. If Mr. Waistcoat's eyes rolled any harder, they'd be on the back of his head. The days can't go by fast enough, he finally said and took a sip of his newly arrived cocktail. He wasn't wrong. My days were, well, all pretty much just one massive day. Unemployment is like that. The weekend was sort of irrelevant. A day is a day is a day, I said, having no idea what it meant. Not that it mattered. Mr. Waistcoat didn't respond. I could have shrugged and walked away. Instead, I shrugged and sat. I held out my hand and said, Davy. Mr. Waistcoat registered my hand, but didn't shake it. After a pause, he said, HD. Cool, I responded. What's that stand for? I heard the bartender snort, but wasn't sure why. Regardless, my new best friend didn't elaborate. We sat that way for a while, each ordered another round. HD was again very specific about keeping the egg whites out of his drink. Every once in a while, he'd stand back and stretch, each time hobbling back to his seat like he was filled with aches and pains, the faintest crackling of stiff joints. A couple townies brushed by. Sorry, mate, one of them said to me as, he, as his beefy shoulder brushed my back. Then he grinned. Don't fall off that stool, HD, he said and kept going. Friend of yours? I asked, but HD just took another sip of his eggless drink. In fact, HD didn't say another word until, Before you ask, because I know you will, people always do. I was pushed off that wall. Okay... I didn't know what he was talking about, but that was a setup worthy of exploration. He didn't object when my brother's tab bought another round for both of us. I figured this earned me the right to ask, What wall and who did the pushing? A deep sigh bubbled up from HD's toes. Did I mention he was wearing spats? You're kidding, right? HD said. No, I said. Are you famous or something? HD grinned. Or something, he said, then asked. Are you known for anything? He regarded me for a moment. Other than that odor, maybe it was four days since laundry day. It's hard to decide, I said. So many choices. Town to town, job to job, sexual conquests of every description. You know. You're that popular, HD said. No, I said. Just can't make my own choices very well. Don't, HD said. Take it from me.
So why are you famous? I asked. HD hesitated. I noticed Gloria was watching while trying not to look like she was watching. Not famous, HD said. Just known. For what? Criminy, HD grunted. Are you new around here? I shrugged. Yeah. Another one of those kidney-rattling sighs. When I was younger, I was impressionable, HD said. I wanted people to like me, so one day on a dare, I climbed the really tall wall behind the king's men's horse barn. Oh yeah, heard about the stables. Hey Gloria, you feed the horses too? Nope, she said, but we're looking for someone to pick up horse apples. You needn't work and all. I'll think about it, I said. Don't get your hopes up. I'm more a man of thoughts than actions, but I've never been to a horse race sponsored by a bar. The king's men's horses were supposed to be awesome, so I'd heard. But full disclosure, I'm a little scared of horses. I kept thinking, I kept that to myself as I had a feeling HD wouldn't be sympathetic. You should take the job, HD said. Buy yourself a new shirt. I'll line that idea up with the row of stuff sitting on the fence with me, waiting to tip one way or the other, I said. Keep my options open. The eye roll again. So what happened when you climbed that wall, I asked. HD shrugged, grimaced a little. Everyone cheered. Didn't think I could do it. Neither did I, honestly, but I did. And for just a moment, I was on top of the world. On top of my world, anyway. But then I didn't know what to do next. Nothing had changed, really. I was still me. The more expansive view of the world from up there made it more scary, not less. I was still me, but even less certain about who that was. The cheering died down. All those people down there looked just looking up at me, waiting for me to do something. Perform for them, maybe? I didn't know, so I, there I sat. HD grain, drained his glass. Then some a-hole pushed me. Wait, pushed you off the wall? That wall is like 40 feet high, right? Indeed, HD said. I didn't know some of the other guys had followed me up there. I was so focused on not vomiting from nerves, I didn't notice the ladders. Everyone said it was an accident, but I, I knew. The townsfolk and the Kingsman staff kind of stood around, but they couldn't really do anything. Or wouldn't. And those damn horses just watched me, blinking. I wasn't working here then, Gloria felt compelled to add, raising her hands. You are accepted, my dear. I doubt you were ever even born then, H.D. said, gesturing to his glass for a refill. Perhaps as a peace offering, Gloria placed a plate of wings before us. Also, I don't think the bar owns that wall. I think it's like abandoned property or something. We still love you, Gloria. Don't worry, I said. H.D. just sort of shook his head. Falling off that wall must have hurt, I said. You have no idea. What about, you know, after? H.D. clinked the ice in his glass thoughtfully. Hospitals. Rehab. I come from money, so jobs weren't an issue. Unlike you, good sir. But that also meant I lacked purpose. I know that feeling, I said. We sat that way for a while. Quietly. I don't usually do quiet, but it was nice this time. But finally, quiet was over. I drained my glass and set it down with finality. I gestured to H.D. to do the same. Come on, let's go, I said. H.D. looked down his long nose at me. Sir, I enjoy your company, to my surprise, but I don't... Just come here, I said. I want to show you something. I don't think either of us should be driving. Just come on, I said. H.D. followed me out to the parking lot. We stopped at my truck. Okay, my brother's truck. I fought with the rusted tailgate, then pulled a sledgehammer out the back. What on earth? H.D. started to say. Just follow me. We walked across the grassy courtyard behind the king's men. Horses talked horse, neighing or whatever, in the barn. 
We eventually got to the edge where the thick grass gave way to gravel and busted concrete. I don't know what this adjacent property used to be, but in the middle of it stood a three-story tall brick wall, like the monolith in 2001 Space Odyssey, only not. We stood before the thing and HD said, What are we doing here? I held out the sledgehammer. Here, I said. You take the first whack. HD frowned at me. Don't be ridiculous. Do it, I said. You get the honors. This is not our property, HD said. We can't go around smashing other people's property. First of all, I said. No offense, but I don't see you taking down a three-story wall by yourself with a sledgehammer. And by the way I see it, it's abandoned property. No one has thought about this stinking wall in years. No one except you, am I right? HD seemed to consider this. You know you want to, I said and held out the sledgehammer again. HD looked around. No one was there, just horses, and they didn't seem all that interested in us. He sighed and took the hammer from me, dropping it. I wasn't sure he could lift the thing to swing, but I didn't need to worry. As if this rich boy had been laboring all his life, HD grasped the handle of the hammer and, I don't know, channeling John Henry smashing rocks for the railroad, laid into that brick wall. The shots rang out, bested only by HD's triumphant cries. It was actually kind of embarrassing, but I think maybe he felt better? For a minute? Or two? When he got tired, I took a few whacks. I'd like to say all my life's indecisions fell off that wall and I was filled with new certainty and confidence, but come on, it was a sledgehammer, not a magic wand. When we were resting, HD just sat there sort of smiling, patting the wall, which honestly never actually fell. But we did take some nice chunks out of it, and HD put a few bits in his in the pocket of his waistcoat. We decided to go back to the bar. There's some decisiveness. And I decided to ask Gloria about that horse crap scooping job. Judging by the condition of my shoes when we got back across the courtyard, they could use someone. So, uh, the end, I guess. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Thanks to Emma Carp at MCARP, for the What Game is Henry Playing While We Podcast About a Different Game theme, which you didn't actually hear this week. Go over to Apple Podcasts and post a review of the show up there on their wall. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. And don't forget, you can call us too. Leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978. I'm not going to answer the phone. You just call, you leave a message about pretty much any damn thing you want. And I will probably play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You're going to find show notes, info, links to episodes for this podcast, Atari Bytes, and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You're also going to find out about books that I've written, including Hell's Serial, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, and links to just a few of the places that you can order that book. The website also has information about other stuff that I've done, so go check it out. Consider supporting the show financially by becoming a subscriber at the Atari Bytes Patreon page on patreon.com. Subscribers get stuff. At the two bucks a month level, you get access to the episodes early. These episodes normally drop on Sundays, but a lot of times, most of the time, 
it's ready earlier in the week. And as a $2 per month subscriber, you get the episode when it's ready. At the $3 per month level, you get that, plus you get bonus content, including every week we record a video of me playing the game poorly, which is okay because it's a really bad video too. And you can watch that if you're so inclined to watch me play a game terribly. Uh, And then occasionally there's other stuff we put up there on the Patreon for the $3 and up subscribers. At the 4 bucks per month level, you can get all that stuff, plus you can help program the show. You can suggest some games to me that you'd like them to see me play and storify on the show. Plus, you can hang out with current Patreon supporters, including Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jim Goble, and Patrick McCarthy. So thank you in advance. Thanks to those guys in the present, and thanks to the rest of you in advance for supporting the show. All right, I think that's about it for this week. All that's left is to tell you what's happening next week, next time, on Atari Bytes. We're playing Polaris, which is not a game I remember playing, but it is a name that I know. So I am curious to check that out. If you have thoughts about Polaris, let me know. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.